Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the U.S. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. All right, guys. Well, I know that we talked in this course about how awesome uh, the program at Exercise Checklists is. And luckily for you, I have the, the, the uh, what, head strategist, the, the builder, the owner of <laughs> Exercise Checklists here, an amazing Adventure. trainer. And I invented checklists. <laughs> that's right. The inventor of checklists. <laughs> but uh, one of the best trainers I know of, a great educator and a great friend, uh, Brendan Rierick. So how are you, Brendan? I'm well, Josh. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So Brendan, as we go through this course, this mini course, uh, we're talking to people about uh, not to worry about hiring the world's greatest trainer. And we're trying to empower them with the tools to create the world's greatest trainer, the greatest trainer in their area. And I absolutely love your product, the idea of checklists and organization. So can you go through real, uh, real quick what the program is and what, you know, why you need a checklist? Well, the, to your point, uh, for example, like with the Mike Boyle strength and conditioning, where I started my career, we always hired interns and coaches strictly based off of character and personality. Um, not necessarily what the resume says, said. And sometimes it's even harder to bring a trainer on who already thinks they know everything. Uh, I, I much rather have someone of character and that people like to talk to and then teach them, which is what we do best, is teach people the X's and O's of training. Uh, and that's what this checklist product is. It's the X's and O's listed out and there's 17 checklists in this product and each checklist is broken down uh, from an exercise but also a movement category so for example i have what i call our big rocks for certified functional strength coach and at mike Boyle strength conditioning now everything you see here uh hang clean and kettlebell swing uh hang clean is for the athlete the sports performance uh, mm -hmm population kettlebell swing is for the general population our general population we're not trying to get our adults to hang clean we would like to see them kettlebell swing so that's going to be our explosive power category right then we would move to dumbbell snatch which would be our overhead power category for our mm -hmm. athletes and then overhead press is all we're trying to get our general population to just the risk versus the reward isn't worth it for us okay. um Single, we want to see that everyone can single leg squat. So now we're hitting our knee dominant bucket. We want to see that everyone can rear foot elevated split squat, which is we're hitting the, the knee dominant bucket again. Single leg deadlift. So we're hitting our uh, hinge bucket or category. Then we want to see that they can do chin ups for athletes, adults, or general pop. We want to see that they can dumbbell row uh, just due to lack of overhead mobility as you age. Right. Push-ups, slide board and crossover. So slide board and crossover drills are very uh, sport specific. Uh, change of direction, the ability to absorb force. 
for our general pop, we want to see that they've been lateral lunge. So now we're getting in the frontal plane, mm-hmm. the hip dominant, knee dominant. We had horizontal push, horizontal pull, vertical push, vertical pull. And then our final one is jump, throw, and sprint, which we do for both athletes and adults. <clears throat> Again, we're hitting that power bucket and all those different movement patterns. Uh, but athletes, we pursue it for performance. Adults, we just maintain it. And then general pop, I want to see that you can do a TGU because after the age of 65, the number one way to die is to fall and not be able to get back up. And a TGU is essentially a slow, methodical way to teach somebody how to get from start to finish. And so I have a, a TGU, by the way, is a Turkish get up. Turkish get up from the ground. Sorry, I yeah. shouldn't use abbreviations. That's not, I'm, I'm using my, I'm, defi- uh, I'm going past my own rules. Uh, <laughs> Turkish get up. And I have a checklist for each and every single one of these exercises. So where do we begin? What mobility do we need to have? What stability do I need to have? And as a chiropractor or a practitioner, this is so the practitioner has the best skills for the lowest regressions of each checklist. So you're all much better than I am with restoring mobility for a thoracic spine that doesn't move, which would limit your ability to do that. So you would start with, hey, do you have the thoracic mobility and shoulder external rotation and flexion to get into the position? And then can we own that position with strength training? So we're going to check a lot of boxes before we get there. Right. Now, I could look at this too from the clinical perspective as um, really great discharge criteria. Like mm. by the time Return we're done play. with treatment and rehab, can you create explosive movement through your, I will say lower body, but entire body, which is a kettlebell swing or hand clean, depending on your, your, uh, athletic prowess. Can you at least put some decent weight overhead with an overhead press? Do you have the mobility and stability to get into a single leg squat down to a, um, even just to a chair, just think about like a folding chair. Could you under control, lower yourself to that position? You know, can you use, uh, can you control in a single leg deadlift, AKA, you know, what I think of immediately that's incredibly useful in life is can you pick your ball out of the cup on the golf course? Once you sink your putt, mm-hmm. you know, typically that's a single leg hinge pattern. Um, cause it keeps your pants looking good and, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and can you pull yourself up, uh, or pull things to you like in a dumbbell row, whether that's picking a kid up out of a crib or, you know, lifting yourself up onto a wall to look over it in case you you drop something. These are all just regular movements that you're just putting a checklist against and making sure that every basic human movement, moving forward, moving sideways, um, squatting down, hinging back for power, uh, pushing things away from you, pulling them towards you, that all those things are covered, right? Right. Yeah, all your categories, all your movement patterns, and that they are progressed in a way that honors the person's abilities. Yeah. So. Let's so for each one of these, you basically have recommendations or checklists or sub what we would say sub checklists for each of these, right? Correct. Okay. So can you show us one of those? I can. All right. So we're going to take our big rock, which we've defined as the ability to deadlift or kettlebell swing. Okay. And this is just one of one of seventeen checklists that I've made. So I use the FMS. Exclusively as a strength and conditioning coach, you might use the SFMA, you might use whatever you've learned right. over your career, or maybe you even have your own. 
I don't care what it is, as long as you have a screen or something that would tell you either where to begin on this checklist mm-hmm. uh, or what are the exact things that would limit me from being able to hinge backwards. For me, that's the toe touch screen. It's not necessarily the FMS. It's an addition to the FMS. It would also be the active straight leg raise. So I use those two things to tell me yes or no, should I be picking things up off of the ground? Okay. Then things from a soft tissue standpoint that could limit my hinge could be the bottom of the foot, the calves, the hamstrings, the glutes, the erectors, the suboccipitals, anything on the posterior side or the posterior chain Mm-hmm. From a soft tissue standpoint, could limit you from being able to fold forward or hinge back. Okay. So there's some soft tissue stuff you could work on. Again, people on this call have much more uh, skills than a trainer does to, to fill this bucket and to get people to progress right. through these things. But the point of Mobility. this course, the point of this course is creating a trainer that can serve you well. So if right. nothing else, if you can just tell that person. Uh, the trainer, hey, if Brendan can't touch his toes, then we want you to start soft tissue here, and then you're going to progress to mobility, then progress to warm up stability patterning, and then finally to fitness. Right? Each Correct. checklist shows you just a pure step by step method of getting there. Right. And so we would go mobility next, and then we would start to put warm up stability and patterning on top of that good mobility or that adequate mobility or soft tissue that this person has. And then we were going to go fitness. So the big thing here to, to recognize is that soft tissue mobility, warm-up stability and patterning never got anybody fit or strong. <laughs> and so they get you in the position. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, return to play. If I want to get somebody back to life, I'm going to have to make them fit because fitness is just another word for resilience. Mm-hmm. For me, that would be kettlebell deadlift and trap bar deadlift. Now, I haven't gray down here, straight bar deadlift, power clean, and rowing for conditioning. You'd buy the product to understand why rowing for conditioning is last. That's a whole uh, section of the lectures. But just know that I have those in gray because that's where you could go if that should be your end goal. That is not my personal end goal because of the risk. But just know it's more of a philosophy that I'm trying to show everybody here Mm -hmm. and encourage you to make your own checklist with that trainer. So now you and the trainer can discuss like, I'm going to work this soft tissue point. You're going to need to do the soft tissue here with them in using a foam roller or a stick. And then you're going to honor these check marks before you allow this person to kettlebell deadlift and kettlebell deadlift is now going to be your discharge criteria. So now we're all working from the same page. And this is something you can hand a trainer and go through this with them. And it should be very, very simple to stay on the same page. And also, again, this is an easy, systematic way to learn how to progress somebody and not put anybody in a position where they might regress or get injured, which is definitely what we don't want. Yeah. And, um, so it's and a I will great tell way you, to teach. <laughs> I will say from being a, a clinician too, a lot of times people come in and, you know, it's their third or fourth visit and they're like, yeah, all my pain is gone. And and my thought is, man, that's pretty quick. That's great that you're out of pain. But are we really seeing that you're out of pain in these challenged positions and with challenged weights? And what I would want to know is I want that person out of pain, even in tough situations. So going down to say step four, can they do a kettlebell deadlift with 52 kilos, which is, what is that? 106 pounds? 106 pounds, yeah. 106 pounds for 12 reps. 
if they do have, uh, it, let's say they came in for lower back pain and they're saying, yeah, after three visits, I'm 100% pain-free. I want to know, hey, can you actually deadlift for 12 reps with 100 pounds and still stay pain-free? And if not, or they're super nervous about doing that, that, that does give me clinical information. And if they're not willing to do that, well, then I can just move up to stage uh, step three and two and maybe spend some time working there and patterns and, and stability. And then start with a lighter kettlebell. But I love the fact that you put in those standard, the weight standards, not just what's the movement. Because I think a lot of people struggle there. So, uh, yeah, having those standards written on every one of these checklists is super helpful. Yeah, and the standards, so again, depending on your population, the goal is for you to make your own standards, make your own checklist. You might have different exercises you like. You might have Mm -hmm. different end goals for people. Yet I just, I'm presenting to all of you what I use for my group of people or my, the lens through which I see training through, which yeah. is between the ages of 11 and 82 and a very wide, diverse group of athletes, but also gen pop. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to cast a really big net. You might not be. So, or your kettlebell might be the only big kettlebell you have is a 36 kg, which is fine, but that's where you would want to say, okay, you need to be able to do this. 10 times without pain with good form before I allow you, before I can discharge you uh, and allow you to, because the goal is to not have them come back. Right. Yeah. That you want resiliency and that's not just done with, are you pain-free? Yes or no. So I love that. Are you interested in becoming a better provider for musculoskeletal conditions? Well, if you know me, you might have seen me out on the road, but I totally believe in, I love, I adore the SFMA, the Selective Functional Movement Assessment. It is a fantastic way of assessing the movement-based dysfunctions in your patients. Now, why movement? Because movement has to do with motor control, and that's usually the first sign that pain is going to develop. And it's a better, more reliable method than assessing pain. So if you're interested in using a movement-based diagnostic system as part of your intake protocol, I would highly recommend the SFMA. Plus, they've got the best instructors. I'm one of them. So I make it fun. I'm easy to listen to. And, well, I don't know about that, but I enjoy teaching it. And it's a fantastic course. I recommend it. So check out functionalmovement.com and look for an SFMA course near you. Functionalmovement.com. Look for an SFMA level one coming to your area. Hope to see you there. Let's talk about some success stories because, again, the whole point of this point of this course is, um, and I would love your opinion on this, Brendan. I get a lot of people yeah. asking, uh, "I want to hire a trainer, but I can't find any good ones in my area," or um, they want to be paid too much, or they have a great resume, but they're they're not available in the times I want, et cetera, et cetera. And the yeah. point of this course is, don't hire the quote unquote best trainer in your area. Create the best trainer in your area, and using tools like exercise checklists and the CFSC, I think are the steps to take somebody with wonderful, warm customer service skills and turn them into a organized, uh, organized, well-informed trainer that understands when to screen, when to regress, and when to progress in exercise. So I know you've had some success stories of folks. Can you tell us a couple? Yeah. Do you want me to stop share? Uh, sure. Well, I'm bigger. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so just even examples from the clinic hybrid gym group. Yeah. Uh, we've had, I think, six or seven people buy the course. And from what I've heard from them is that the 
the best thing the course did for them was create a system that they can now hand to that new trainer or that person who has great customer service. And they can have that system, systematized approach that it's very easy to understand. They'll even, uh, I've had a few people laminate them and put them on the wall so that everybody can see them and everybody's working from them. I've had people make uh, flip charts so they can have them. The practitioner has it on their desk and then they also have them out in the gym so that everybody's working from the same flip chart. Uh, if it's on a flip chart too, it must be true. If it's on a poster, that means everybody else's, everybody that comes into that place is seeing your philosophy on the wall. Um, right. And that's really, really important from a, uh, a, re a repetition standpoint uh, and for making people comfortable and trusting the system. Uh, and to have your practitioner and your trainer speak the same language, uh, that's exactly what the patient yeah. wants to hear. Um, they and don't want to hear conflicting messages. Right. And walking the patient through on day one and showing them, hey, I know that we're working on your low back, but um, just so you know, and walking over to the poster on the wall and pointing out, here's the standard we use for discharge, which is that large kettlebell there for 12 mm -hmm. reps before we say that with no pain and no problem, that's when we discharge you. And they might go, oh my right. gosh, I can't do that. And the greatest thing that could happen at that moment would be that you point to somebody else in your gym or rehab space and go, well, Brendan there came in four weeks ago with low back pain as well. And now he can handle three sets of 12 on that um, 52 kilogram kettlebell, right. right? And you hope that person is older, more frail. And if, <laughs> and if your patient is a male, you hope it's a female that, that they, uh, that was able to lift that. Cause now you got a ton of buy-in. Right. And it, it's very empowering too. And to be able to point over and say, there's the trainer that's going to help after I get you out of pain, there's the trainer over there. who's right. going to help you get there right? and yeah. ensure that we follow these progressions and these check marks so that you don't feel right. uncomfortable or that you don't, we don't regress or, or you don't get, uh, you don't yeah. go back to being in pain. Right. Um, and in marketing, that's so helpful to say, here's what we're going to do. Have them come in and you actually do the thing you said you were going to do. And then your marketing plan is, let me just tell you why we did the thing we did. And mm -hmm. that is so reassuring, especially when people are in pain. So I really appreciate that. And, and for the trainer too, this allows the trainer to focus most of their energy on the individual or the client or the patient instead of right. them trying to come up with programs and to come up with things on a whiteboard or mm -hmm. it, it's all literally laid out for you uh, in a way that is very consumable and easy to implement. Mm -hmm. uh, and you also notice that uh, all my checklists don't require much equipment until you get to the the end part of the checklist or what I would call a black belt exercise. White belt through blue belt or brown belt is all very simple, easy things you can do with just a foam roller, a band, a slider. So you're not going to need tons of equipment. You don't need a rack. You don't need hundreds of pounds of dumbbells. Cable cross dumbbells. machine. You don't need any of it. You need some bands, some sliders, and some foam rollers. It's very, very simple stuff. Yeah, yes, when you want to go performance and you want to go to those nth progressions or performance, you're going to need some of that stuff. But for the most part, 90% of your people are just going to need the, the bands and the foam rollers and a couple kettlebells, and you should be good to go and be able to do all 17 checklists. 
I love it. Yeah, I think that's one advantage too, is just go down those checklists and see what m- the minimal equipment I need. Because uh, I know you're a big fan of a profitable business. That doesn't happen when you're constantly buying equipment. So use the equipment yeah. and kettlebells. Man, I've had my kettlebells for a long time and <clears throat> they still don't need a tune-up or a tire change. So I really like low maintenance equipment like that, you know? Yeah. 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 All right. Well, where can people find this program? So exercisechecklist.com. Very mm-hmm. simply. Exercisechecklist.com. Go there. You're going to sign up for the school. And at the bottom, it will say, there's a couple different programs I offer in that school. You're going to want the exercise checklist program. Okay. You'll click there. You're going to add the coupon code. Clinic gym. Oh, okay. Clinic gym. All right. And you'll get a hundred, you'll get 50% off of the program. Holy smokes. That's quite a bit. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate that and uh, certainly appreciate that special offer for people watching this. And I think it's the absolute best program to go from zero to organized trainer who understands regressions, progressions, and screening, which are the basic building blocks. That mean, if you understand those premises, you understand a lot. One last request, Brendan. Um, I know you're standing in your own gym that you train clients out of. Could you give us just a quick swivel? Because how many square feet do you have there? I have 320 square feet in the garage. All right. Can we see, and you work with groups of two to four, is that right? Well, with COVID right now, yeah, groups of two, once COVID passes, we'll be going up to groups of four will be our max. Okay. Can we just take a look at what the world's greatest gym looks like? Yes. So everything, you can see that the middle of the gym is completely open. So everything is around the walls. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have a, we have the, the welcome station with the coffees and all that, but we have our, we have a power rack and actually this power rack has a med ball wall built into it. So Perfect. We can throw med balls against the wall and I didn't have to destroy any of the walls of my garage. Uh, over here we have all our med balls, our trap bar. I've got a set of power blocks. So I didn't buy any dumbbells. I bought two sets of power blocks that go up to 90. Okay. I got one Aerodyne bike. Uh, and then if we go over here, we'll go, well, there's my gigantic whiteboard. But back here, I have kettlebells from eight to my biggest kettlebells, 44 kgs. I put a, a Kaiser in here okay. to get all of our cable stuff. There's now that's because you, you got a sweet deal on that thing, right? Uh, yeah, I got it 50% off. Yeah, so, so I don't want anybody thinking that you're required to have that for this program. No, you could do all your Kaiser stuff by looping up bands. You can see I have bands looped all over this yep. rack. You can do most of the things that you want to do with just looping bands around. So this is a nice product to have. Would I buy it again if I didn't get it 50% off? No. <laughs> so our second set of power blocks. And then over here we have all our boxes. They're not just used for box jumps. They're used for lots of other step up, single leg squats. Mm-hmm. Lunge, all sorts of different things. So I bought the minimal amount of equipment that I needed and it cost me about 25 grand, including all of the paint, the flooring. So I was in equipment. I believe I spent $18,000 to outfit right. this entire gym and three in a single shot. This, I mean, in yeah. one shot and 3000 of it was the Kaiser. 
So you could minus that and you weren't going to buy a Kaiser. Um, and then the rack was three grand as well, which you don't necessarily need. So, right. But I think going over, you know, slowly, uh, working on a few kettlebells and then when your clients max those out, get the bigger ones. But until that, don't worry about it. Yeah. And that's funny you say that is I've actually, I waited to buy a bunch of things until I had clients who needed them. Yeah. So once the client was like at a point where, for example, what did I buy? Uh, I bought a a strap that I wasn't necessarily going to buy until I had someone who actually needed the strap. And I ended up, she came in, she's six foot five. She's a basketball player. And I said, well, I need to buy the strap now. So it gave me a reason to buy it. And, and until then I didn't have to spend the money. So awesome. All right. Well, I love that. Uh, you're, you're making some decent coin off your 320 square feet there, even during COVID. Um, two people is enough yep. to make some, uh, a profitable business. And you know, that's what it's all about. And that's why I encourage people to do that and having a great trainer. Uh, all it takes is signing up for Brennan's class having them work on it. And by the way, you could do that together. Sit there uh, once a week, go over one checklist a week. And there's a great mm-hmm. continuing education exercise for everybody in your office, whether it's your trainer, clinical staff, chiropractic assistants, PT, uh, physical therapy aides, uh, even your front desk staff is probably interested in it. And uh, just work on that progression and make sure that everybody's using the same language, the same reasoning, the same methods. And man, it's so reassuring to your to your members and your clients. Yeah. and even more so is take that and also make it your own. So go through it together and say like, okay, what can we and can't we do? What do we agree with? What don't we, what can we add? Uh, that's the most important thing is that I give you the framework and the principles, but the methods are up to you to change. So that's really, that's also power empowering as well. That yeah. uh, the framework is there and all you have to do is decide. Right. Yeah, and if you don't have the equipment, that's a perfect reason to modify or the space. Right. Maybe you don't have the height for a ceiling height for uh, kettlebell snatches or something, you know? Okay, cool. What else can we do? Right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brendan. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Josh. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information, just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. That's clinicgymhybrid.com and check us out there.